Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and the renewal of our world. We're so glad that you're listening. So we're in between series, and I, I, I want to, this is going to be different this morning. We're actually going to watch a video, a five-minute video this morning, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just see who wants to interact about this. I will not call on you. Please don't feel uncomfortable, like, oh my gosh, is Brad going to? But I believe church really should be more conversational than we've made it over the last few hundred years where somebody stands up here and talks and everybody sits quietly. Nobody else says anything. That's not the early church in the New Testament. Uh, most of the early church in the New Testament, when they gather, they're eating together. There are more meals than there are sermons in the New Testament church. So we're going we're gonna to try this here in just a little bit to see how conversational we feel today. And maybe some of you will actually you know, want to interact on, on this concept. But there's a statement that I've made from time to time that causes confusion. And I don't know that it's necessarily my words that are confusing people. I think it's the paradigm is so hard for people to get their head around. I, I'll, I'll make this statement when our, when our country is in some kind of big crisis, which is every day, <laughs> or maybe it seems like you know every week, and particularly around elections, I'll make the statement that... Yes, education is so important. And yes, there's an important role for our government in society. Jesus says that. Jesus says that government has its place for a functioning society. But there are some problems that ail the human condition that government will never solve. Only Jesus' church will solve. And I'll get emails and people will ask me, can we get a coffee and talk about this? The church is supposed to solve the problem of immigration? That makes no sense to me, Brad. Church is a gathering one hour on a Sunday morning where we go listen to a preacher talk. What do you mean church is supposed to solve immigration? Uh, so we're going to talk about this a little bit today, and I'm hoping my goal today is that you leave with your brain firing, your heart uh, ignited with this new possibility that maybe church isn't what I've thought it was, and maybe church isn't the angry, judgmental group of people that we've seen for, you know, and, and sadly in a lot of places. Maybe church was something that Jesus intended to be entirely different, an entirely different, like a movement of change and hope and beauty in our world. All right, so to help you kind of get your head around the paradigm that we see here, that we're becoming, that we're super excited about. I'm going to just share two core beliefs that we have here at Dulles. I mean, we have more than two, but the two that I think are important to set up. Think about the world that you're in and how, how you find yourself sometimes so disappointed with life or with, with people. You know, bosses are supposed to be these inspiring people. How come so many bosses are, are bullies? Or they've got these egos, or that there's tension with neighbors, or we battle things like anxiety and fears. We have disease in this world. I mean, the list could go on. We could spend an hour just talking about all the things about our world that just are so complex. And when you when you when you think about the world, and well, if there's a God, why is the world like this? We believe passionately here that the story of God in Scripture tells so consistently and articulate so well that our world is broken. This is a core belief that we have here, that our world, God did not make a broken world. 
God isn't a, a, a struggling creative who kind of got green trees and blue ocean, but then this, he just went terribly wrong in creating humans. We don't believe that. We believe God created was good. Everything was good. The, the descriptive, the adjective is good. God's creation, wow, the birds of the air, the lights in the skies, the, the solar system, it was so good. Humans were so very good. Creation was perfect, and we were made, humans were made as objects of worship, as, as creatures of wor worship. Meaning we have the ability, unlike anything else in creation, to choose to worship the source of life, or we could, we could choose to worship ourselves as some kind of source of life. And when we chose that, it broke the world. Okay, that's a core belief, that, and it informs so much of the struggle of our world. When you understand this, I've, I've sat with people uh, many times who said, oh, wait, okay, so that, if God didn't break the world, then maybe God wants to rescue the world. And I'm like, aha, yes, this is the story that unfolds in Scripture. Okay, the second core belief that I think is helpful this morning for this conversation is that when it comes to, uh, I, I guess the large meta word would be organized religion, but when it comes to society's view of church today, imagine going to work, or you have a block party on your street, um, and you say, hey, I go, to, I go to church, and I love it, and you imagine the reaction of people, what their hesitation, or their concern, or their sort of stepping back away from you a little bit, is rooted in what? It's rooted in how church, churches, are viewed often today. We see this in every survey, survey after survey after survey. What is your view of faith and uh, organized religion and particularly the church? We see that people are as spiritually minded as they've ever been. They're very spiritually curious in our country. Americans do not deny uh, being spiritually interested. They just don't like the church. Because churches are perceived either rightly, rightly so or they're just perceived to be judgmental. Churches seem to care more about the behavior of outsiders, people outside in the community, than our own behavior. Like when churches tell our own story, our own brokenness, and where we found life and healing, that's attractive. That's interesting. That's what people are looking for. But when, when churches want to talk about what's wrong with your behavior and decisions you've made... That's just, that, that can't be the way of Jesus, and it isn't. Churches are known for divisions. Churches have started wars. Look at Ireland. Protestants and Catholics have warred against each other. This is kind of the perception, uh, this is the perception in large part of, of our society today. And it's nothing like the church that Jesus intended. Jesus created a church that we, the, our wording here, and we spent all of last summer on this, uh, that was the most exciting idea on earth, and it still is to this day. A church that looks like Jesus, a church that actually sounds like him and behaves like him is actually the most exciting idea on earth. I watched the SpaceX Starship launch this week. Anybody? I was actually, Amy had a pain-killing uh, shot in the hospital this week, and I'm watching the SpaceX launch while she's in the hospital bed and, you know, I was like, she's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, I, I'm watching a rocket launch. I th I've been waiting for five years. They've been working on this, and it made it to the low atmosphere. It was amazing, the biggest rocket ever made. 
I mean, there's so many things in technology today that excite me. There's so many cool gadgets and ideas and innovations in our world. Nothing compares to the movement of Jesus' church in this world today when it looks like him, when it behaves like him. I mean, nothing compares, in my strong opinion. Okay, so with all of that as a background of where we're coming from here and why I can make a statement, there are just some things in our country, there's some things in our world that only the church is going to solve. And we live in a paradigm where we think, well, we're, we go to church to be, be reminded there's, there's God and there's eternity someday. But practically, the day-to-day solutions of our world are government and elections and who we elect. And I'm just telling you, you're going to live in perpetual disappointment in life if that's your paradigm. And it is most Americans' paradigm today. Our hope and faith, our practical faith is in... <laughs> Even though we would mock this statement, we all kind of mock Capitol Hill and Washington and in our, we actually have more faith in elections and political candidates than we do in God today. And you can see this in how red in the face people get and how passionate they get when talking about problems in our country. Uh, people are more passive when they talk about the hope of Jesus who's changed us. And that's just an, that's indicative of us putting our faith in a structure. And um, I could go on and on and on about this. I feel so passionately about this that our government has a role. You should vote. You should be engaged. You should care about our country, care about elected officials. But your faith in what actually heals and restores and moves us back to a restored world is only going to be Jesus and the movement of his church the people who make up his church. So Jesus said this. This is a parable. He's describing this complex idea that's invisible, so he uses the picture of a king, and he, he mixes metaphors here because he knows that we'll understand, the audience will understand there's a king, but then there's sheep and goats, and the king is offering something to these sweet, innocent sheep, and that's who he's describing here. Then Jesus said in this parable, then the king will say to those on his right, referring to earlier in the parable, the sheep, enter, you who are blessed by my Father, take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. Now, we're about to hear a list from Jesus. We're about to see a list of why his kingdom has been made accessible to some. That he's calling innocent, and we find out they're not innocent. These are people who've made mistakes, people with regrets and guilt, but they've put their faith in Jesus, so they are considered innocent sheep. He's about to give us a list of why these people, for all eternity, are going to have access, full access to the power and love and creative nature of his kingdom. And you would think the list is going to sound something like this. Because you went to church a lot and listened to a lot of messages about me, Enter, have full access to my kingdom. Or because driving to work and home, you could listen to anything, but you actually listened to a lot of Christian podcasts. So because of that, you have access to my kingdom. Or you'd think that something on the list that we're about to see would be something like, because you voted for candidates that, that seem to align with Christian beliefs, 
or with Christianity, because of that, you're going to have access to my kingdom. Or because you read the Bible more than a lot of people. None of these things are on the list that Jesus gives us. They are not describing the character, in Jesus' own description, the characteristics of someone who has full access to his kingdom. Instead, he's describing characteristics of, of people who have been so, they've encountered the reality of Jesus and their minds and hearts have changed so much that they're not just learning more information about him, they're actually beginning to behave like him. This is what Jesus is telling us. People who have access to the power, the, the restorative nature of his kingdom, people who walk in hope and have a laughter that is deep, a joy in them that comes from it almost can seem not of this depressed, anxious-filled world. People who have access to the kingdom, the nature, the characteristics of God's reality are not people who just keep learning and hearing more and more about him. They're people who actually begin behaving like him. And so here's the list. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, it's interesting, when you look at this parable, many, many um, churches and throughout church history, this parable is kind of taught as a uh, describing the distant future. Someday you'll stand before God and he will say to you, you have access to my kingdom because of... This is actually describing you and me today. Jesus' intent is to describe our present day. We, we tend to think, oh, I don't need to worry about any of this until I stand before the pearly gates someday. And then Jesus will tell about the sheep and who, can, who enters the kingdom of heaven. He actually says, I was hungry. He's referring to you and me in present day. I was thirsty and you gave me in your life here on earth. Right now today, this week, I was homeless and you gave me a room. He goes on with the, the, the parable. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? You're the king. What? You were never hungry. Or when did we ever see you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored... That was me. You did it to me. Another mistake in the way this has been taught throughout a lot of church history is that Jesus is kind of describing his favorites here. He's describing the sheep. He's describing the religious people that he just always really liked. You know what he's describing? Actually, the intent of Jesus' parable here is to describe the outsiders, he so loves the marginalized. He so loves those who haven't been included. He so loves those who've never found a way into the church or churches have never made a way for them because of their behavior or because of something else or something of their past. I so love them that when you actually extend good to them, I so identify with the outsider, Jesus is saying, 
You've actually, you're, you're doing it to me. You're actually treating me that way. He sees them in himself. Not the religious people, but the, the focus of this parable is how much he loves the lost, the hurting, the broken. And again, I think when, when churches tend to make church more about our own little kingdom, we tend to become more narcissistic and, oh, this is all about me. Jesus is now going to praise me. He's now going to say, oh, you on my right. Look at all the good things that you've done and look at the good. I'm. He's actually describing how passionately he loves the ones that are often overlooked. So now I'm going to show a video clip. This is part of what's unusual. Maybe this gets you in the mood for the cinema series. This isn't a movie. This is from the Today Show about two weeks ago. I just accidentally stumbled on this. I was, I was surfing on YouTube one day, and I hit this, and I'm, like, wiping tears at the end of this. It's five minutes. And uh, we're going to watch this, and then I'm just going to see. Please don't feel uncomfortable. I'm just going to ask, hey, what are your thoughts? How do you react to this video? And, you know, hopefully some of you will say, hey, I've got an idea or I've got a question or a thought. I'm really, um, I want to I set this up by saying this. I am not showing this this morning so that you and I can just quickly emulate this idea. Or let's, let's copy this idea. If God leads us to copy this idea, we'll do it. We'll copy it here in our area or, you know, in Virginia or but that's not the point. The point isn't, oh, look, let's, let's carbon copy this exact thing that we're going to see. The point is, let's get our wheels turning, and let me refer to the heart. Let's align our hearts with the possibilities of what could happen when Jesus' church looks like Jesus. And I know this is messing with your paradigm. If you've grown up in a world where church is anti-culture and Church is so concerned about other people's behavior, this is going to be hard to get your head around. When we are actually loving the outsider, when we're caring about the person who's angry at church and you care enough to, to learn why, I want to hear your story. When you care about somebody who's been hurting or is often overlooked, I mean the church just becomes powerful with God's potential. Okay. So this is, uh, Harry Smith did this story from Austin, Texas, uh, just recently. It aired two weeks ago, and in five minutes, when the lights, when the screen goes dark, we're just going to talk about it, okay? All right, let's watch this clip. Okay, now we want you to stop the podcast, pause it, and Google search this five-minute video. Google search Today Show, how this faith-based town is helping in homelessness, Watch that five-minute video. It's well worth your time. And then continue with the rest of the podcast. Okay, so <laughs> I'm fighting tears again. I don't know if this moves you. Maybe this is just interesting to you. This, to me, is the most exciting idea on Earth. There's nothing SpaceX is doing. There's nothing Google's developing that competes with this. This is followers of Jesus living it out, like actually living it out, not agreeing like, man, that was inspiring, Brad. How cool is that? And then by Wednesday, we're just living the same life we live. This is actually behaving like Jesus. This is what's going to change our world. 
And I'm telling you, if, if we can get our heads and hearts around this paradigm, you will look back and laugh at yourself putting so much energy into elections, into the next candidates. It's looking right now, I saw the other night, it's looking like it's going to be Biden against Trump again. It's, it's amazing how we cycle as a society. And listen, if you are unhappy with me making that statement, I'm not super crazy about a Biden versus Trump election <laughs> coming up. I just, I, I'm speaking to this not about a political view more than I am, just how long are we going to spin with our emotions and arguments at work about who we should elect and which side is right, if we start living like Jesus, it just changes everything. Governments around our country are traveling to Austin to meet with these Christ followers to learn, how, how are you guys doing this? We want to do this in our city. This is... This is I believe in our lifetime, we will see that where governments are asking the church to lead. Now, again, that messes with people's paradigms. I said that a couple years ago, and people needed to have coffee with me and say, wait a minute, what? The government's going to ask churches their advice? I believe it. I believe it because the church is starting to look more and more like Jesus. And there's nothing more attractive in our world. My, my goal today was to allow us to, to, to challenge us to open to the Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to, wow, wait a minute, maybe I've had church all wrong. Maybe your church is your movement in the world today of power and love, not a building, not a one hour on Sunday morning. Maybe me being part of the church is actually me finding out a neighbor is sick and just getting to know them a little bit. Or learning the story of the person that seems like they don't want to talk a lot. I just take my time and think about it. You don't have to fly to Austin, Texas. I'm actually thinking about it. Alton and I, we watched this together. We were like, should we get on a plane and go down there? It doesn't mean standing on a stage. But it means actually walking across your street. It may for you this week look like, I always wave at that neighbor through my car window. I've never actually tried to get to know their story. See, the heart of Jesus is to get out of your car and go say hi. And maybe that doesn't open up a friendship, but who knows what God's going to use, uh, use you to do. Is this exciting to you, this idea? Can you imagine where we would be as a country in 20 years if... Places like this on Sunday mornings are, are thinking this way. Like, how do we actually look like Jesus in our world? I'm telling you, you're going to live in a different country 20 years from now. It's, it's just going to be inspiring. There's going to be solutions. Um, some of this is going to be supernatural. We talk about the shooting epidemic and, you know, these kinds of things. I believe some of that's going to be solved when churches pray, literally pray. I think... Some of the challenges we face are going to be solved by God's power when churches say, you know what our role is here? Our role here is not a whiteboard. Our role is we're going to get on our knees and ask God to change something that's deeply broken on a mental health issue level of our country. So let's do it. Let's do it. And, and 
understand my heart when I say this. I'm going to kind of challenge you. Don't leave everything to the pastor or the people up on stage to create or solve. You have ideas and inspiration. God will speak to you as part of the church. Uh, you may never stand here on stage and share it, but you could reach out and say, hey, Andrew, hey, Brad, you got a minute? Can we get coffee? I've got this idea. Who knows how your idea shared with a pastor could end up changing the way Loudoun County or Fairfax County government officials think about a problem. That, to me, is exciting, and that's the kind of church I'm so excited to be in and be part of. And so I love that we're doing this together. All right, I've got a prayer. I'm going to invite the band to come. The band's going to close us. Uh, I want to lead you in this prayer as the band is coming. I think we may have this on the screen. And if we do, you can screenshot this again. I know a lot of you, when I present a weekly prayer, just pull out your phone and take a picture of it. Okay, so before our closing song, here's, here's our prayer, and I'm going to encourage you to pray this every week. Jesus, you came into a world of hurt. You brought life and hope and healing, an upside-down way of possibility in life for a world of hurt. You've offered that life to me, and I'm so deeply grateful. And now you ask me to offer the same love and encouragement inspiring creativity and care, the same concern for people who hurt and need hope. Use me this week in someone's struggle so they experience life more the way you intended, life with hope, life with friendship, life with laughter, life encouraged to glimpse that the pain of this world is not the end of the story. I invite you to use me this week, Jesus. It's a dangerous prayer. You may be agreeing with this or liking it right now. This is a dangerous prayer. Use me this week, Jesus. You're going to find conversations happening or people hurting sitting across from you. It's going to happen. If not this week, it'll be next week. It'll be this month. And then you can just trust. Wow, I don't know what to say. This is intimidating. I've never faced. You just be you and let God speak through you, and then you'll be amazed. 